0: We get on the plane and we take off for Boston and the stewardess comes on and says, you know, cocktails and beverages will now be served. And she pauses and and says to everyone except the gentleman in 5C who was wearing the Mets hat. (laughs) This is the news from the Lord. The spotlight on football star Colin Kaepernick saying in an interview, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. Hello, America, and welcome to the word of the Lord. And I am Jeffrey Lord here in Lordsville in the middle of Pennsylvania. Actually, there is a Lordstown. It's in Ohio, and that's not where I am. <laughs> Uh, I am here in the middle of Pennsylvania and if you happen to hear any background noise that could be Jeff the lawnmower guy who is out there uh, doing his thing uh, cruising back and forth right behind me on occasion so if you hear any buzzing there it's not because Joe Biden is trying to take me off the air it is in fact because Jeff the lawnmower guy is out there doing his thing so let's talk sports and politics You remember that ancient wisdom for big family gatherings that you should never talk religion and politics? There was also sort of a corollary to that. What was the safest thing to talk about? It was sports, of course, because generally speaking, everybody there was familiar with it, and lots of people there were passionate about it. Yeah, they could be NBA fans, or they could be NFL fans, or they could be Major League Baseball fans, but... They all liked sports and they like to talk about it endlessly as I recall. Uh, and, and for me, that meant since I grew up in Massachusetts, I was a Red Sox fan. to the chagrin of my New York father uh, who was uh, he was actually a very loyal Brooklyn Dodgers fan, and he was so irked when they moved to Los Angeles that he finally decided when the New York Mets came along, they were his team. So father and son were perpetually engaged in this Mets versus Red Sox uh, business. But good dad that he was, he took me to Fenway Park for my first uh, baseball game when I was about eight years old. And there's a picture in the other room of me in my little Red Sox uniform and hat sitting there in Fenway Park. We were back there in 1961 for the All-Star game. Which was fabulous and and is memorable because it became, I think, to this day, the only All Star game that has been uh, that was called. Uh, it was tied one to one, and it was called because of rain after the seventh inning, and everybody had to get up and leave. So I have the, you know, I still have the program from that, and there there's father and son uh, sitting there in Fenway Park. In 1967, he took me to my first World Series, which was to see the Red Sox in Fenway Park play the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, The great Bob Gibson of the St. Louis Cardinals was pitching, and uh, we lost. Oh, my. (laughs) Then uh, we got to 1986, and it was my turn to do something for Dad. So I took him, took he and my mom, from Washington. I was working in the White House at the time, and we flew to Boston to see the Mets and the Red Sox in the sixth game of the World Series. And it was actually amusing because, of course, when I'm uh, going outside, I never wear anything but my Red Sox hat, the navy blue hat with the red B. He, of course, was wearing his Mets hat. So we get on the plane in um, Washington, and, and behind us, by the way, is the columnist, George Will, who's a baseball fanatic, i didn't i'd met george once somewhere along the line but i didn't really know him he sees us standing there with the two hats and says this doesn't bode well for the flight my mother recognizes him and turns around and says oh mr will it's worse than you think it's father and son to which he replies the stuff of greek tragedy (laughs) we get we get on the plane and we take off for boston And the stewardess comes on and says, you know, cocktails and beverages will now be served. And she pauses and and says to everyone except the gentleman in 5C who was wearing the Mets hat. (laughs) Well, then we get to Boston. Now we're walking around the heart of Boston. And of course, my father is proudly wearing his hat and people are yelling at him. (laughs) So we had a great time with this kind of stuff. And I think most families do. Um. So, you know, and it doesn't matter I mean, I happen to be into baseball But you could be into all sports Or just basketball Or the NFL Or, or what have you, football It is something where we all like to sit And watch games with professional athletes And games of skill And they're really good at it And this is, of course Why it has been so very much missed During the pandemic You know, if one's going to be quarantined at home What a better thing to do than watch your favorite sport as the perfect remedy. But suddenly, uh uh-oh, pandemics affect athletes too, so no games. And with all that isolation going on, you would think now that as that starts to lift, and baseball and basketball being the sort of prime of the baseball season and the end of the basketball season, uh, are slowly beginning to resume, that there would be a massive turnout for the return of these sports. And I don't mean in a physical sense, since they're still not making that possible, but certainly in a television sense, they are making it possible. And lo and behold, what intrudes here, but politics. Yes, that's right. Americans who love to follow sports as an escape from the world have had their favorite teams and players turn on them, giving them the proverbial middle finger. So let's get the obvious out of the way, the serious part here. The murder of George Floyd was horrific. No one's going to challenge that. But what has now happened is that the response of millions of good Americans to Black Lives Matter has been seriously politicized. And slowly, Americans have begun to learn that BLM is headed by self-proclaimed, and I'm quoting here their words, trained Marxists unquote, whose main objective is to fan the flames of a leftist revolution and more or less overthrow the government and everything else. And there we are, steadfastly standing up for Marxism is none other than my own favorite, the Boston Red Sox. The team owners, presumably capitalists, parked a Black Lives Matter display on a sign posted on the outside of Fenway Park's outer wall. And now one NBA player after another has taken the Colin Kaepernick knee that so many Americans see as an insult, not simply to the national anthem of the country that has bestowed them massive, massive opportunity and wealth on the players. But they also see it as an insult to the soldiers, sailors and airmen and women who have fought and literally died to give those players the right to work in peace on a basketball court or a baseball diamond. You know, in Georgia, there is one Kelly Loffler. She is the owner of the Atlanta Dream Squad, which is a team in the Women's National Basketball Association. Ms. Loffler is also a Republican United States senator running for re-election. And because she has had the guts to call out the Marxist BLM, the team's own players are now wearing jerseys calling for the election of her Democratic opponent. I mean, can you imagine this? I I, I mean, and of course, they're doing it quite deliberately as a middle finger to her. And now, what do you think is happening? Like clockwork, the American sports fan is responding in the certain way that they knew would count. I'm going to read you the headline from Breitbart. Quote, Ratings crash for NBA, MLB, after protest-filled debuts, unquote. And the story begins, As the NBA and MLB return from their coronavirus-imposed hiatus, it appears TV viewers are not interested in what the increasingly woke leagues have to offer. With both baseball and basketball draped in all sorts of Black Lives Matter and social justice symbolism for their opening games, a substantially smaller number of fans tuned in to the rest of the week's games, unquote. Well, imagine that. And then there was this story that you can find right over there at my website, The Jeffrey Lord. The headline, NBA's Jonathan Isaac Stands Alone During National Anthem jersey sales skyrocket second to LeBron. As of Sunday, Isaac's jersey is the second bestseller on the league's website, behind only Los Angeles Lakers superstar LeBron James. This story was captured and written up by the great Elise of our site, and it says this in part, quote, a powerful image emerged from the NBA just before the weekend. During the national anthem, a Friday's game between the Orlando Magic and Brooklyn Nets, one player stood out, and the country is thanking him for it. Orlando Magic forward Jonathan Isaac was the first NBA player to stand during the National Anthem. Isaac was the only player on either team that did not kneel. Additionally, he proudly wore his Magic jersey while his teammates wore Black Lives Matter shirts the court of public opinion has spoken and money talks. After Isaac's bold stance, the sales of his jersey soared and soared some more, So the ratings have tanked for the sports drenching themselves in politics and the sales of a jersey for Jonathan Isaac, who refuses to participate in the politics, soar. What does that tell you? Let me just say a word here about athletes and sports. In my government life, I worked for Jack Kemp, who in the day was famous as the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, first the San Diego Chargers and then the Buffalo Bills. He was quite the star in in NFL or AFL circles at that point, and as a matter of fact, played in the first playoff game that would determine who went to the first Super Bowl. I think this was 1967. And uh, he lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, and they were the A- AFL team that, that played in the first Super Bowl. Jack was very political. He loved politics. When he retired from politics, he got elected to Congress from Buffalo and later ran for president. He was uh, the secretary. When I worked for him, he was secretary of housing and urban development in the Bush 41 administration, and then he was the Republican vice presidential nominee in um 1996 he was he was so enthusiastic and wrapped up in politics and when he first began doing this he was big on barry goldwater in the 1960s now by at this point he's playing in buffalo and because he was uh, a native of california and, and had played for the san diego chargers he had met uh governor ronald reagan who was so taken with him that he hired him as his special assistant in the governor's office uh, when the football season ended in 1967. Now, here's the notable thing about Jack. Never once ever did he put his politics on the field. He never spoke a word about it. He didn't participate in any demonstrations on the field. It was always off the field with Jack, which as an American citizen, of course, he had every right to do one thing that he did do that was typical jack kemp there was a uh, an afl conference game of some sort a special game like a the equivalent of an all-star game in baseball that was to be played in uh, new orleans and jack arrived in new orleans for the setup for the game with his teammates that included several african americans only to find out that New Orleans, this is the 1960s, was big into segregation. Um, His teammates could not get a cab unless they rode with a white guy, in this case, Jack. Uh, The hotel was segregated. He was so incensed about this. He was also president of the Players Union that he arranged to have the game moved from New Orleans to Houston, Texas. Uh, so he did participate in that sense, but it was never on the playing field. And m- my message would be to all of these athletes, and and we have now LeBron James coming out. The president, President Trump, has said that uh, all of this is causing him not to want to watch uh, basketball games, NBA games, and LeBron James has come out and said basically he doesn't care, we don't need him, et cetera. My message to Mister James. And all of these other folks be as political as you want off the field, off the off the football field or the baseball diamond or the basketball court. But when you're on that field, when you're on that diamond, when you're on that basketball game court, show some respect for your audience, for the millions of Americans that love to watch you and don't want to get into politics at all. The only game that should be played in the NFL is football. The only game that should be played in baseball is baseball. And the only game that should be played on a basketball court is basketball. Until professional sports and its athletes get back to that, their audience is going to be easily prepared to cut them loose. And they're starting to do it. And it's too bad. Okay. That's the word from uh, Lordsville here. And I'm looking up. Yep. My Red Sox hat is still there. So uh, we'll keep chugging on. Thanks. And let me say something to my audience out there. If you really like this, and I know you do, I hope that you will sign up for my podcast, The Word of the Lord, because we will be here every week and we will have all kinds of interesting things to talk about. You know, life is not going to be dull in this podcast. So please tune in and we will be right here with the word of the Lord.